Hello everyone and welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast. This is episode 11. So this is the last episode before the holidays. Um, so I just want to say before we start, uh, happy holidays to everyone. Um, hope everyone has some fun, take some time off, you know, drink some booze, eat some good food, hang out with family members and stuff, all that, all that good stuff. So happy holidays everyone and uh, now I'd like to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so... Um, one of the topics I want to talk about because it's something that seems to have gotten a bit of attention this past week was the BMW M2 CS versus uh, a 1 Series M. Like, which should you buy? So I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, I also want to talk about some upcoming models because this is the last, again, uh, episode before the holidays. So I want to talk about the upcoming year. And uh, the two cars I'd really like to talk about are the BMW iX3 and the upcoming BMW X8. Now, that's a very interesting car, so I'm going to save that one for last because uh, there's actually quite a lot of conjecture around it. We don't have a ton of actual facts, but we do know it's coming, and we have some idea of what it's going to be, so that's going to be interesting. So we'll talk about that at the end of the segment. All right, so let's jump right in and talk about the BMW M2 CS versus the 1 Series M. What should you buy if you have that kind of money? So it came out... a uh, a little bit earlier that the M2 CS, the pricing in North America was going to be a little bit over 80 grand, I think like $83,000-ish. And that's a lot. That is a lot of money for, you know, the top of the line 2 series, essentially. So, I get why it's a lot of money. It's a very low, uh, low-volume car, limited-run car. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's very, very special. You know, it's the most hardcore 2 series, the or I sh- that's not fair, I should say it's the most hardcore M2 and, you know, it's, it's the fastest M2, it has some seriously interesting performance tech, and, you know, it's a special car, it is a special car, so I get why it's expensive. But, at that price, you're getting either dangerously close to some much more impressive sports cars, or you're in the price range of used, like, legendary classic cars. So, there are some cars you can get for that money that are older, that are even more special, and one of them is the 1 Series M. Now, some of our audience feels that the M2 CS is still worth the money. And, you know, if you feel that way, then it is. You know, that's really what it comes down to. I'm not trying to tell you you're wrong. I'm not saying it isn't worth the money. Um, But it is an interesting discussion because, yes, the M2 CS is going to be significantly faster and more capable on track than a 1M. It just is. There's no two ways about it. It has a lot more power, like almost 100 more horsepower. Um, you know, it's far more capable, has a better, you know, electronic limited slip differential at the back. It's, you know, it has a carbon fiber roof, carbon fiber hood. It's a really, really impressive car. And it will probably run rings around a 1 Series M on track. But I would argue, and I think a lot of other enthusiasts would argue, that the 1 Series M is going to be the car that brings you more joy. You know, it is a bit more of a hooligan. It has old that old-school BMW feel, you know, hydraulic steering. Um, it's just got that old-school BMW balance. Also, the 1M is just kind of like a magical sweet spot. You know, it was kind of built with, like, leftovers. You know, it was a 1-series chassis, uses the engine from a Z4 uh, 30, S30, S-Drive 35i or whatever, IS. So it has an engine from a Z4. It's not a proper M engine. You know, but it does have some, like, M3 stuff, like brakes and whatnot. So it's like kind of like a big mashup of... BMW parts, but it ended up being like this perfect combination. It just works so well. It's so wonderful to drive. And, you know, our own Horatio has one. He has a 
an orange, a Valencia orange, one series M, and he loves it. And he said it multiple times. He will never sell it. And I think that's just a testament to how great it is. I think that proves that it's a special car because even though he's driven every BMW on earth, you know, in the, in the last 20 years, he, you know, and even some made prior to that, but like you know, he's driven every new BMW and he still feels that the one series M is more special than everything BMW sells right now. So he won't sell it to get anything more modern. He even entertained the idea of maybe selling it and getting an M2 competition but then, you know, he, that was very, very brief. He entertained that for like a week and then was like, nah, no, you know what? My 1M is better. So I think that the M2CS is a very interesting car. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think compared to modern performance cars, it's going to be a, a special car. You know, it's got 444 horsepower because it has like the same uh, engine as the M4 competition. So like that same state of tune for the S55 engine. So 442 horsepower. And 406 pound-feet of torque, I believe. Might be 405, but I think it's 406. Like, there's a huge difference there, I know. But, um, so it, it's very, very powerful. And it's very, it's going to be very fast. And in that, like, tiny little compact package, it's going to be a riot to drive. It really is going to be fun. Um, and you can get it with a manual. You can still get it with a manual, which I think is a really huge selling point. Um, you know, have that big engine with manual transmission, that short wheelbase, rear-wheel drive, electronic limited slip diff at the back, um, you know, adjustable dampers for the first time in a 2-series, or an M2, rather, and, uh, you know, it's got, like, M3 brakes and stuff. It's a, it's an impressive car. Carbon fiber roof and carbon fiber hood, like, that's really cool stuff. A note on the carbon fiber roof, and I think I've mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again, um, BMW didn't sell any M2 with a carbon fiber roof. That's It's never been done before until now. And that means BMW had to kind of engineer this roof to work and for only a limited run car, which is not very cheap to do. It's actually very expensive. And it means that they're not going to make a ton of money on the M2 CS. Well, actually they might because $83,000 is a huge, huge bump up from the, uh, the M2 competition. But... So, but what I'm saying is, like, they put a lot of engineering effort into this car. It's going to be great to drive. There's no question about that. But is it going to be more special than an M1? Is it going to have that, you know, that real old-school BMW feel where you don't care how fast it is, you don't care if it's the fastest car on the block, you don't care if it's going to make, you know, crazy lap times. All you care about is that it's fun, you know? Does it, you know, put a giant smile on your face? Does it give you all the feels? Does it give you that tingly feel? You know, where you just know you're driving something special. And I don't know that the M2CS is going to do that. Now, granted, I'm not saying it won't. I'm not saying it can't. I'm just saying I don't know if it's going to have that feeling, um, you know, especially as much of that feeling as the 1M delivers. So it's a it's a real serious uh, discussion. It's a really interesting discussion. And I think buyers in that, that price point are going to have to make that choice. Because if you're buying an $83,000 car, if you're buying something that expensive... You, know, you want it to be fun. You're not buying an M2 CS because you want it to have great lap times. No, no one's taking it to the track. You know, I mean, people might take it to the track. I'm not saying that, but no one's taking it to the track to like really win stuff. You know, um, you just that's not what you buy for that sort of thing. And I think that if you're buying a car at that price point, you want something that's going to be fun. And you're going to do your due diligence. You're going to you know, look at the other cars in that price point and say, okay, what else can I get? Let me make sure I'm making the right choice here because that's a lot of money. And if if anyone is smart enough, at least, they're going to look at some you know, older cars that are potentially even more special, but 
you know, maybe they couldn't get them then because not being able to afford it or maybe just, you know, ran out of production or anything like that. Um, but, you know, people who can afford that kind of car are going to shop around, is my point. And if you look at some of the cars, the older cars you can get in that price point, the 1M sticks right out. I mean, it's such a special car. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of, you know, great drivers and you know, even a lot of journalists have one Series M's. I mean, uh, Chris Harris famously has one. and He loves it. You know, our uh, our own Hirasho, like I said, he has one and he loves it. Everyone that has it absolutely loves it. So it's hard to turn down being able to own such a special iconic car. Um, you know, even if the, maybe the M2CS is a, a future icon, maybe it is a future legendary sports car, something that's going to, uh, you know, be talked about in, you know, in the next few years, you know, the same way we talk about the one series M now, maybe, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to say that it's definitely not going to be as special, but it's an interesting discussion. It really, really is. If it's my money personally, right now, without having driven the M2CS, I know that's kind of crazy to just talk about it without having driven it. But I think I'm going to go 1 Series M, and only because it has things that no matter how good the M2 CS is, it just doesn't have. It can't provide. Like the 1 Series M has that old school hydraulic steering. You can't get that on the M2 CS. Sure, the M2 CS might have extremely precise, extremely accurate steering, and it's going to be a quicker steering rack, and it's going to be you know, a sharper steering overall because it's just more modern. But it doesn't have that tactile feel that I can get from the 1 Series M. And when I want to take a car out on Sunday, like when I want to just... Wake up on Sunday, take a great drive all day to get, you know, all day to get there, nowhere to go. That's, I want something that's going to make me feel special. That's going to give me sensations that I can't get in a daily driver. It's going to give me sensations that I can't get in a modern car. And, you know, the one series M has those things. So, and you know, the M2 CS is, I'm sure is going to be an incredible driving car, but it just isn't going to have that level of communication. And that's not its fault necessarily. It's just really a sign of the times, but if it's me, if it's my money, I want those old school sensations that the M2CS is almost certainly not going to be able to give. So it's an interesting discussion. I've seen a few uh, comments on either side, which I thought was interesting. I thought everyone, after, after I wrote this uh, similar article, I thought all the comments were going to be one Series M. Everyone was going to say, I want the one Series M. But actually, I saw a lot of people claiming to want the M2CS instead. And it was interesting to see. You know, and I'm not, I'm not here to say that any either side is wrong. You know, it's all obviously personal preference, but um, it was just interesting. I thought it was going to be a one-sided, lopsided discussion, and it, it isn't so far. So I'm glad to see that there are, are different opinions on that, and I'm glad to see that people are engaging in it because it is an interesting discussion. But I want to move on just a little bit to um, a totally different kind of car, and that's the BMW iX3. So that's a really, really important car. It's another car we wrote about earlier in the week that got quite a bit of attention and it's the fact that I at least me personally I'm cautiously optimistic about the iX3 so BMW released some preliminary specs and you know nothing's officially set in stone yet because it has to be tested by the WLTP and the US EPA and it still needs to go through testing and stuff like that but so far from what we've seen it looks pretty good it's obviously not, like, it doesn't have the range or, you know, the power of a Tesla or something like that. You know, I think uh, the range was, like, 273 miles. It's 440 kilometers, so 273 miles. And uh, that's pretty good. You know, that's not Tesla Model 3 long range or whatever. It's not, like, you know, the th over 300 miles that some Teslas can get. 
But it, I mean, it's more than an Audi e-tron. It's more, a lot more than an Audi e-tron. In fact, you know, it's more than the Mercedes-Benz EQC. It's more than a few cars, and I think it's a good. It's more than enough. I think it's a great range, to be honest with you. You know, unless you're, no one drives more than 273 miles on a regular basis in one day. Just nobody does that. It's it's way way more than you need. And I think it's perfect for a daily driver. Now, what's really interesting about it, and I think it's how they got that sort of range, is it's going to be a, a one, it's only going to have power one axle. It's going to have one electric motor at the rear axle, so it's going to be rear-wheel drive. For an SUV, that is maybe less than ideal for a lot of customers. Because, um, like, the whole point of getting an SUV most of the time is to get the all-wheel drive system. But I think BMW not putting that electric motor at the front axle saves up some battery power and allows it to have that better range. So I think it's actually a wise move because, to be completely honest, no one's going to miss the all-wheel drive. Just nobody's going to miss it. Um, it. I even live in a pretty rough climate for the winter. I'm in New Jersey, as I've stated before, and you know the, our winters can get pretty rough. Like It's been pretty mild so far this year. I mean, technically winter is just starting, but... Um, it's been pretty mild so far, but our winters can get tough. We can get you know a few feet of snow sometimes, and it gets really really cold. Um, and honestly, m- um, you know most people don't have crazy all wheel drive systems, and the, the ones they do, everyone just has all season tires on it anyway. They just kind of slide around anyway, even with all wheel drive. So like no one's really gonna miss it in most climates. Like if you live in a if you live in a really 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 rough climate for the winter, like if you're in you know most some parts of Canada. Or you're like in you know Connecticut or Maine or something like that up in uh, up in uh, the the northeast of the United States, you know then yeah you're gonna want some sort of all wheel drive system at least. But I think the two wheel drive system in most states in the in North America and you know a lot of Canada and a lot of the world, in places where you don't get harsh winters or you don't really need it, the the one axle is fine if you get some good winter tires uh, on it for the winter. And then let's be real, it's an electric SUV. Its biggest market's California, and they're going to be fine, fine with just one driven axle. Um, and I actually like the idea that it's rear-wheel drive because it gives it better balance. It's just, or not, well, more fun driving dynamics, I should say. You know, it's going to be obviously rear bias. It only has one axle, but like, it's going to have you know a more rear-wheel drive feel, and I think that's going to be fun. Plus, the front wheels are uncorrupted by a driven axle, so it should steer a little bit better, and it'll be lighter over the nose, so it should you know actually turn in a little bit sharper. I think it's going to be actually a pretty fun little car to drive. And that's on top of the fact that the X3 is already pretty fun. I like this current X3. I think it's a good car. You know, and I'm not a big SUV crossover guy, but having driven it a few times, I'm a big fan of the way it drives. It drives much more like a 3 Series than you'd think it would. At least that I thought it would. And, you know, I think it's a good handling car, so you take away that that front axle, that front driven axle, and you're going to have one that steers better than it already does. And it's going to be rear-driven, so it's going to be a little bit more dynamic than it already is. Plus, it's all electric, so even though it's not super powerful, you know, it's like less than 300 horsepower, even though it's not super powerful, it's going to have, you know, a lot of instant torque. So 0 to 30, it's going to be fine, you know. It's going to shoot gaps pretty well. It's going to jump off the line quickly. I think it's going to be a fun little crossover to drive. And it's got tons of range. I think for a daily crossover, you know, 75, 80% of the time in most climate, in most, you know, places, uh, even with harsh winters, you know, I think only, you know, 20% of the time you're going to miss that uh, front axle. 
you know, I think it's going to be a great little car. I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, I don't want to say it's going to be great right off the bat. I'm not going to say, you know, don't, don't quote me on it. Don't, I'm not giving any guarantees. But I think it's going to be better than a lot of people think. And I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to drive it when it eventually debuts this year. You know, I think it's going to be an interesting car. And I think it's BMW is coming out with it at a good time. Because Tesla started out hot with like the Model Y uh, last year or maybe even two years ago now. I'm not even really sure anymore because it's been forever since Tesla put out a new product that actually hit the road. Um, <laughs> but the, the Model Y seemed like it was going to be really promising because the Model 3 was really promising and the Model Y was going to be basically the same thing, just a crossover. So that was going to be promising, but then that kind of fell flat. Um, the Mercedes-Benz EQC looks like a great car, but it's delayed again. Um, the Audi e-tron is much, much, much bigger and heavier and more expensive. So it kind of doesn't compete there. And plus it only has like 204 miles of range right now. It might bump up to like two, I think 219 or something like that. But um, because the Audi came up with some interesting new battery developments. But anyway, so right now there's not anything directly in that segment that's all electric. And I think BMW stands to kind of get itself into that market first. You know, kind of jump in, take hold of that electric crossover segment. And it has a real opportunity here. And I, I just hope they don't squander it. I hope that they deliver with this car. I hope it's a good car. If it looks cool, you know, just, just different enough from a regular X3. Just like electric looking enough from a regular X3. To get people interested in it, you know, on dealer lots. And then they jump in, they drive, and they realize, oh, wow, this is actually pretty fun to drive. It's rear-wheel drive. It's all electric. It's going to, you know, it's going to be more fun to drive than you think. And... Uh, you know, 273 miles of range is great. People are going to be like, oh, that's, you know, that's basically almost 300 miles of range, you know, in our maths. So that's, that's pretty good. That's more than I need. And people would, I think people will really kind of get into that sort of car once they see it and once they drive it. So BMW has a real opportunity to jump in there before anyone else does. And uh, I think they need to really capitalize on that. Especially because the EQC, the Mercedes EQC, is being delayed again. I think that BMW can really just undercut Mercedes right there and jump in as the only premium all-electric crossover in that segment. And that's that's a great, that's great, you know. Finally, BMW would be doing something with electric cars and kind of being ahead of the game again. Because it's been since 2014 with the i3. Since then, BMW seemingly fallen flat you know, with electric cars. They haven't really done anything with pure electric cars since the i3. And, you know, it, it's good to see them having another opportunity to kind of really take hold of a, a you know, at least a single electric market. That's, uh, it, it's really good to see again. So hopefully, and hopefully that's a stepping stone to further things like the iNext, at least a, a production, a close to production level concept of the iNext is coming in 2020. And I think that's a really important car because, again, we talked about this a little while ago. Um, and BMW needs to innovate. You know, the, the entire industry needs to innovate, but BMW as well. And the iNext could be the brand's opportunity to do that because it's going to have BMW's latest and greatest autonomous and electric technology. You know, it's going to be the, the best BMW can do right now. At least that's what we're told. It's, it's everything they've got is thrown into the iNext. So if that can deliver, if that can be really interesting, kind of change how we think about the future of mobility i think that's going to be a huge 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 deal for not only just bmw but the industry so we're going to see 
I don't know if we're going to see the final product in 2020, but we're going to see at least a concept car that's very, very close to production ready. Um, so th that's very exciting. So you have the iX3 and the iNex coming out in 2020, and or at least, you know, sort of coming out in 2020 for the iNex. But um, you're going to have those two cars that are really going to start to move the ball along for BMW. You know, get the ball rolling, get things moving again, get people talking about BMW you know, in the discussion of electric cars again. And I think that's really important. BMW really needs to get back into that discussion because it's it's completely out of it right now. Um, BMW trolled Tesla a little bit on Twitter the other day by uh, counting up to like, you know, it was like 495,000. Then the one tweet, the next tweet would just say 496,000 and stuff like that. Um, just kind of talking about sales numbers for electrified vehicles. And that was sort of a knock on Tesla's Elon Musk who was tweeting out the numbers of the reservations for, for the Cybertruck. Uh, two different things. One was reservations for a truck that will never exist, and the other was um, sales figures for all sorts of different electrified vehicles. So both were really dumb and misleading. But but um, this kind of sad part about BMWs was those are electrified vehicles in total. So like that's including like 3 Series hybrids, and X5 hybrids, cars that barely have 20 miles of electric range, you know, they're still just basically regular internal combustion engine cars with a little bit of electric help. So, like, yeah, BMW is very proud of that, and they should be. That's an impressive thing. They do make good hybrids, so it's it's good to see that they're selling well. But, I mean, it's not really innovative, is it? It's it's not really pushing the envelope, you know, at all. You know, everyone makes hybrids nowadays. It's not that impressive. So it's, it's good to see... Uh, BMW taking some initiative with the iX3 and the iNex coming out soon. Um, so I, I'm really, really excited about both of them, but I'm cautiously optimistic about the iX3 because I want I want it to be really good. I think it has a, a lot of potential to be very good. I'm just not going to you know, guarantee it, or I'm not going to hitch my wagon to it just yet because there's still a lot of unknowns about it. So um, I'm, uh, again, I'm cautiously optimistic, and I think it's a very important car for BMW moving forward. But I want to move on to a different car, um, totally different, so we're going to do another 180 here. Um, but it's coming out in 2020, or at least going to be day, like shown off in 2020, and that's the upcoming BMW X8. Now, this is an interesting car, and it's one that there's still a lot of mystery um, around among enthusiasts, but we have as much of a scoop as anyone's going to give you. Uh, you know, Horatio has his sources inside BMW that no one else has. And he's telling me that the BMW X8 is coming, and it's going to be a bespoke M car. And that's huge. That's hugely important, because forever, since the M division has been founded, there's only been one bespoke M model, and that's the M1, the original M1 supercar. It was not built on any single other, you know, series production BMW. It was its own thing. Since then... BMW M, and that really doesn't even count that much because it really wasn't a real deal M division for road cars just yet back then. Uh, so that doesn't really count so much. Since then, though, there has yet to be a bespoke M car. Every M car has been based on series production BMWs, be it 3, 5, 7, 4, whatever, all, not 7 actually, but be, you know, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 8 series have all gotten M models, but there's never been just an M car. You know, a bespoke M car. Despite that, though, 
fans have been wanting BMW to make a bespoke M car for years. I mean, fans have been saying BMW should, BMW M at least, should make something original, something new and different and unique that can really compete with the Porsche Caymans of the world and stuff like that. Because while the BMW M2 and M4 are good, they're really just based on regular road cars. You know, like, the, for instance, the M2 is a great car, but its bones are of that of a, you know, two-series diesel that you can get, you know, a base model diesel, like 184 horsepower. So you take those bones and you can uh, you do a lot of stuff to it and make a great car because the M2 is a great car. But it can't compete with a bespoke sports car like a Porsche Cayman or an Al- Alpine A110 or something like that. You know, it just can't do it. So fans have been saying, BMW, please make a special sports car that's just BMW M, you know, just an M car. And, you know, make, make it awesome. You can do whatever you want with it. Make it mid-engine, you know, front-engine, whatever you want it to do. But just make it a little lightweight sports car. They heard half of that. <laughs> so the BMW M took half of that that request. Uh, they made a bespoke M car. At least they're making one. But it's not going to be a small, delicate little sports car like fans are hoping for. Instead, it's going to be a gigantic, bulbous SUV. <laughs> Which is disappointing. Now, I shouldn't actually say that it's going to be a gigantic, bulbous SUV. Because I don't have the details. I don't know if it's going to be huge. I don't know how big it's going to be, or how heavy it's going to be, or what shape it's going to be. All I know is it's going to be an SUV. But it's not going to be an SUV based on any current BMW SUV. So it's going to be different. And from what I understand, from what Horatio has told me, I think it's going to be like a sporty-looking SUV. Like something like an X6, like a coupe-like SUV. Maybe, I don't know if it's going to be smaller than the X6 or bigger than the X6. Judging by the nomenclature, I'm assuming big because it's an X8, you know, so that's higher than 6 or 7. So just by that, I'm assuming it's going to be bigger, but I can't guarantee that. I'm not going to say that for sure. I don't know what powertrain is going to be in it, but I I can guess that it's going to be the same 4.4 liter twin turbo V8 as the M5 and M8 and all that stuff. Um, But like I said, I don't have anything concrete. All I know is that BMW M is making something bespoke, and it's going to be an SUV. Now, I get why they're doing that, actually. I get why it's going to be an SUV. That's because big, fast SUVs not only sell well, but they make a ton of money. And if BMW M is going to make a bespoke sports car, it's going to have to make quite a bit of money. Uh, Because BMW M doesn't do that, so doing so, it's going to have to cost a lot. Now, Mercedes-AMG kind of does the same thing. Um, Maybe not with SUVs, but they make... Like, AMG has only a handful, only, I think, two bespoke models that aren't based on regular Mercedes. You have the AMG GT and that AMG GT four-door thing, whatever the hell that thing is. Um, The AMG GT is a gorgeous, beautiful, you know, classic sports car. Long hood, short rear deck, two-seater sports car. But it's very expensive. You know, it's more than 911 money. It's It's an expensive car. Um, and then the other thing is like a weird bulbous sedan, the MG GT four-door thing. It's like a weird-looking coupe kind of four-door that is kind of frumpy at the back. It's weird and odd-looking. I don't like the way it looks, but here it's great to drive. Anyway, both those are very, very expensive. And the reason is if you're going to make a bespoke sports car like that that costs a lot of money, you know, these little brands, they need to make a lot of money on each one, so they have to be expensive. So you pick a high-profit vehicle and the highest profit vehicles are on the market right now are big SUVs. So I get that's why M, the M division is doing that. I don't like it, though. And I don't have to like it at all. Because I think it's a silly idea uh, in, 
regardless of profit or anything like that, it's just a silly idea because the M division is known for making pure sports cars. That's the whole point of the M division. You know, everything's about performance and, and or as the Germans say, the dynamism and all that stuff, you know, needs to be very fast and it needs to perform well and needs to be fun to drive. And an SUV just isn't going to be that. Even a bespoke MSUV is going to be heavy. It's going to be big. It's going to, it just can't be as fun as something like an M2. It just can't be. So the fact that that's the direction BMW M is going is kind of disappointing to me, you know, and and what really bothers me about this whole thing is that BMW doesn't have to just chase profits. BMW is one of, if not the most profitable automotive company in the world. If any brand can afford to make a bespoke sports car, it's BMW, yet they don't do it. It just drives me crazy. Like, BMW can give the M division tons of funding and say, go make something awesome, and they just don't. Instead, they just chase profits with an SUV, and that just drives me nuts. It's like they're turning into GM. It makes me crazy. Just take the M division and say, just give the M division, and the M division engineers can do it. They can make something crazy special. Those guys are brilliant, brilliant engineers. And their CEO, Marcus Flash, is a brilliant guy. He's a smart guy. They can do something really, really great, but they just don't. It makes me a little nuts. Like, I wish BMW, I wish the board would just say, here's a ton of money. Go, just do whatever you want. Just make something crazy special. And you know what you would get would be incredible. You'd get something small. You'd get something possibly even mid-engine. You know, you'd get a, a, a great engine in it. You'd get a six-speed manual gearbox, probably. You know, if you let engineers kind of just run wild with a pure sports car or something just for fun... You get something great. Like, look at the Alpine A110. I mean, talk about a small car company. I mean, I mean, Renault's a big company, the parent company of Alpine. But if Renault and Alpine can make the A110 a tiny, delicate, beautiful driving sports car, something that probably is going to sell nowhere near as much as whatever the hell BMW M wants to sell. If, Al- if Renault and Alpine can do that, a com- you know, two car companies combined that don't make anywhere near as much profit as BMW then BMW M can afford to do it. It kind of drives me nuts that BMW doesn't do that sort of stuff. Because not only do they have the, the money, but they have the engineers. They have everything they need to make something that us enthusiasts really want. And this goes back to something I was talking about weeks and weeks and weeks ago, that BMW doesn't make something dumb and fun anymore just for the sake of making something dumb and fun. You know, you see other car companies do it all the time, but BMW is one of the few that just won't do it. You know, and and don't get me wrong, BMW M makes some great cars. You know, I don't want to say that no BMW M car is great. It's just that BMW M is in a unique position to be able to make something really special and bespoke. But I feel like just, you know, the shareholders and the bean counters won't let them. And I think that's really disappointing and kind of unfair to a lot of BMW fans because they all kind of want one. They want BMW to make something or they want BMW M to make something, you know bespoke mid-engine or something kind of something crazy and silly make something to take on the cayman the alpine you know make something like that and it just they don't make something anything direct they just make an m4 and m4 is great you know m4 is great m2 is great but uh it'd be interesting to see what bmw m engineers could do with no constraints you know let them just pull the hair back and go just do whatever you guys want here's all the money you want just go for it i would love to see what happens if bmw could do that but uh, we won't until then we just get the big X6. 
Now, again, I don't know how big it's going to be. Maybe it's like X4 size, X4M size, and that'd be pretty cool. You know, something interesting like that. But I think it's going to be quite large. Um, again, I could be wrong. So I'm not, you know, don't quote me on that. Don't if it does come out and it's smaller than I'm saying it is. Uh, don't don't come back at me like oh, you were wrong. I, I I'm admitting I may be wrong. It's uh, you know not set in stone yet. But uh, you know, so the X8 is going to be at least shown off. Uh, in 2020 some maybe a concept of it something um i don't know if it's going to be officially debuted but we're going to see something of the x8 in 2020 so that should be interesting to see um but yeah that's it that's all we have for this week um again this is the last one we're going to have before the holiday so you know happy holidays to everyone i hope everyone enjoys you know some time off some relaxation you know spend time with family and friends drink a little too much i'm just kidding don't do that um, you know, and just have some fun. Everyone needs some time off. We're going to have some time off, uh, which is nice. Um, so we'll be able to kind of sit back and just kind of hang out and play with your cars. That's something I always like to tell people to do. You know, if you have a cool car, especially like an M car or something cool, just, you know, have some fun, take it for a drive by yourself. Just go, go somewhere far away. Just take it for a nice long trip for no reason. You know, go get coffee an hour away or something. You know, just go go have fun with your cars. Go play around a little bit because, uh, you know, a lot of our time is just spent going to and from work and stuff like that. So get out there and have some fun. You know, be a car enthusiast. Enjoy it. So, you know, happy holidays, everyone, and we'll see you next week.